The following podcast contains adult content. It is not suitable for minors, professional settings, or the faint of heart. The stories you're about to hear are recorded live at Petra's in the historic Plaza Midwood, Charlotte, North Carolina. Foreplay Goes South is open mic storytelling. Hosted monthly by Metanoia, attendees share their intimate, sultry, salacious tales. So a few years ago, the year I graduated college, but before I moved here, um, I was masturbating like my like fourth time a day as per usual, and and I noticed on my clit, I was like, there's like a new texture there, which isn't like a fun discovery, right? There's lots of fun discoveries you can make with your body. There's also lots of like less fun discoveries you can make with your body. And a new texture on your clit is a less fun discovery. <laughs> My opinion, you may have a different experience. I will say it added a new pressure that, uh, whatever. So, so I go to my insurance and I look up my nearest gyno provider. I sorted, this is a mistake by the way, I sorted by distance. I was like, the closest one. That's my criteria. Speed. Um, and before I got there, have you all seen Fried Green Tomatoes, one of the great movies of all time? All right, well, at one point, Kathy Bates checks out the situation with a mirror. I checked out the situation, and there was like a, like a white lump situation. And I was like, that's not as fun as Kathy's discovery. <laughs> but I appreciate her sharing the technique with me. I don't have the flexibility to do it on my own. Never have, never will. So I go to the gynecologist, and it's like in a basement, which is like never a good sign. <laughs> and she's like vaguely Eastern European, and she checks out the situation down there, and she starts to make a lot of inquisitive noises, like, hmm, uh, okay. And then she asked me if she could take a picture of it and send it to another doctor she knew. And, you know, it took me a second. I was in my head being like, all right, well, that's the most legitimate cause there's been for a picture of my pussy. <laughs> this is by far the highest bar. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. <laughs> so she sent over a picture, and then she like you know took a sample to run some tests on it, as well as some blood work. And what came back in my blood work was that I had like higher testosterone than what is typical um, for someone assigned female. And so I like. You know in like some old movies when they've just found out something shocking 
and there's like a black and white swirl behind them, and their face is like, Whoa! and it like flashed back to high school, which was what? Yes, Catholic. And so, and I'm bisexual, always have been. Thank you, Lucy Lou, for showing me the way. Charlie's Angels, love you. And, um, but of course, it was my number one greatest fear in middle school, high school, that anyone discover that, right? And I was like, they can tell because I'm so masculine. <laughs> I feel large and masculine. And, um, and so I really performed femininity like as hard as I could to try to counter what I felt was my innate masculinity. So then when I got this result back that I had higher testosterone, I sort of had to like, I took a moment mentally, more than a moment, but sort of like to really address my internalized gender bullshit. <laughs> And you're like, all right, well, you know, I have higher testosterone. What does that mean? I've always been, yes, extremely horny. Yes. I've always had a very, very high sex drive. And I've always been very, you know, loud and confident about it. And so, uh, you know, over the few months of that time, we were trying to figure out what's going on. And what was it, folks? It wasn't cancer. It wasn't a secret penis that had waited until I was 25 years old. <laughs> you know, I mean, that might have been cool, but it wasn't that. It was, I was masturbating so much <laughs> that there was like a buildup. And so I have like a lesson learned from that, both, you know, Mentally and emotionally, in terms of my gender presentation, in terms of that, like, now I don't give a fuck as much. If I feel masculine on a day, I will be masculine on a day. And if I feel feminine on a day, I will be feminine on a day. And it's not about my presentation, it's not about how other people perceive me, it's about what I fucking feel like. And the other is, if you masturbate multiple times in a day, just like towel off. Get the extra moisture out before you're done. You're good to go. It's not cancer. <laughs> Thank you, Tedros. So I was 18 years old. It was my second time ever having sex. My boyfriend at the time was trying to insert his penis into my vagina. Um, yeah, it shouldn't have been that complicated, but we were young. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, wasn't happening. And so we ended up getting a bunch of lube and now I'm on all fours and his dick is just slipping, just slipping all over the place. And it lands quite close to my other hole, hole number two. <laughs> and he asked me, babe, do you want me to keep going? And I reply with, well, we might as well try out that hole while we're at it. <laughs> that was the night I fell in love with anal sex. <laughs>
the uh, entirety of our year-long relationship consisted of us having anal sex and anal sex only. <laughs> um, so now there's probably been like a two-year time span where I haven't had um, any anal sex due to the obnoxiously large size of penises of all my partners. Um, for context, uh, medium to large dicks go in my front door and small dicks go in my back door. <laughs> we welcome all size dicks here. <laughs> Hashtag small dicks matter. <laughs> so for two years, um, all the men I, or all the guys I was sleeping with were, um, uh, had large dicks. And I slowly, <laughs> I slowly forgot about my desire to have anal sex and just chalked it up to a phase. Now that the phase is over, God damn, my mouth is dry. <laughs> now that the phase was over, um, I could just have TDV sex from now on. Until a couple weeks ago, I have a dream, not just any old sex dream, an anal sex dream. And when I tell you, it was oh so close to capturing the ecstasy that I feel when being anally penetrated. Um, so I wake up, throw off my blanket, and I start my uh, morning routine. I don't know about you guys, but I start my morning routine with an 8 a.m. everyday poop. <laughs> um, and <laughs> this time usually consists of me um, thinking about how much I hate pooping. I hate it. It's disgusting. It's gross. It smells even grosser. I hate farting. I hate everything related to it, especially couples who fart on each other. I think they can just die. <laughs> Every morning when I take my poop, I light my incense, a three-wick candle, and I disassociate on my phone until I'm done. I don't even look when I flush. Why would you? And every day, I ask the universe, why God, why? Why do you make us do this heinous act every day? It's never ending. I deeply wish for humans to be able to eat food and just for it to magically dissipate within our bodies. But that morning on the toilet, I was doing my usual thinking about how much I hate pooping and that I'd rather be sitting anywhere else. Um, but then I remembered my dream and how much I missed having anal sex. It got, it got me thinking. If humans didn't poop, evolution wouldn't have prompted uh, humans to develop rectums, anuses, and the anal sphincter, my three favorite things. <laughs> and if we didn't have those things, then we couldn't have anal sex. And there it was, my beautiful conclusion to why humans poop. It's so that I can get fucked up the ass. <laughs> what can I say? The universe had my back the whole time. <laughs>
Um, but I'm still on it because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> in many ways. Um, so I was on Tinder and I was swiping, 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 whatever. And I meet this guy and he's like, okay, you know, like you seem really nice. And he starts telling me about himself. And like, you know, when you start talking to somebody and you feel the red flag, like you just feel it rise deep inside of your body and you know, this is just not right. You know, but, but I, being an inherently pessimistic person, try really hard to be optimistic. So I'm like, I'm just gonna give it a shot, right? I'm gonna give it a shot. And everything, we talked for like a week. He was traveling for part of that up in New York, doing business. And all of a sudden, one night he, I said, you know, what are you doing? And he sends me a graph. I'm looking at Bitcoin trends. If you haven't been on Tinder, guess what? Bitcoin is the new scam. So of course I'm like, please don't sell me on Bitcoin because I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it, please don't. And he's like, why not? It's not that much money, it's fine. And I was like, no, please no, please don't, like, no. And so obviously that crashes and burns, right? We all know that that's how this works. The new guy started seeing his first message to me said, what the fuck is up with this crypto thing? Why are people doing this? I've only had this app a week. And I was like, it's good you're talking to me. <laughs> Let me tell you all about it. So, but we're gonna see how that goes. There may be future stories with that. But prior to this Tinder debacle, uh, I've had a guy that's come in and out. He comes to business, or comes to Charlotte for business. Uh, randomly, he's from Atlanta. And I call him the Viking he looks like a Viking. Um, my Tinder profile has on it bonus points if you're a Viking. And so he, we've seen each other off and on for about six months. And I have a friend who may or may not be in this room over there sitting at the table who was the one who made my Tinder profile and put it on there. So this guy and I have been seeing each other for a little bit off and on. Like when he comes into town, we hook up. It's a good time. Now, I don't know about y'all, especially the ladies in the room, but when you hook up with somebody and it's not like a regular thing, you'd put in like some effort, right? Like, you're like, I'm gonna wear like the good lingerie. Like, you know, I'm gonna break out some business. I'm gonna, you know, make sure that I've got some extra toys out and some things and we're gonna experiment and try some stuff. And so I do this for him. Lingerie is a big thing for him. So I'm happy to oblige. I have an extensive collection. And I was making a comment on that, that like women sometimes are expected, right, to be the sexy lingerie wearer. Like, you know, like no guys come into my house dressed in lace, you know? And so I'm like, why, is this, why does this happen to just women? And not, I mean, there are exceptions. There's exceptions to every rule, okay? I have a very good friend of mine who looks amazing in fishnets and high heel boots. He's amazing. Anyway, so I was talking about this with him, and he's like, I'll dress up for you. What, what do you want to see? And I was like, dress up for me? I was like, what, are you going to come as a construction worker? <laughs> YMCA this shit? <laughs> like, you know, and so I just like, you know, we, he's like, I mean, what are you looking for? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just ranting because I do that. So... Cut to this last time that he was in town. 
we were supposed to get together and we were gonna go to a burlesque show and then hang out afterwards and get our business on. I know he's got his business, but then we got our business. <laughs> anyway, he ended up not being able to make it because work ran long, he was with clients, all that kind of stuff. So he's like, I'm not gonna make it out. I was like, okay, he said, I'm gonna try to stop before I get out of town tomorrow. And I said, oh, you know, fine. Well, I get home late and I was just exhausted, went to bed, and I wake up to my doorbell cam like ringing on my phone. And I'm thinking like, oh, it's like maintenance or something, you know, or my neighbor, whatever. And so I answer the doorbell cam on my phone. And here is my Viking in a fluorescent orange vest <laughs> with a hard hat and a pencil in his ear. And I said, I said, hello? And he said, here to, to work on your foundation. And I said, one moment. Because your girl was not prepared. I was in bed, hair a mess, no makeup, looking crazy. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna be fine with that. So I go to the door, I open the door, and I was like, good morning. Cause it's like 9 a.m. I'm like, this is not. And he's like, well, good morning. And I said, you realize it's 9 a.m. And he's like, uh-huh. And I said, you realize like I've been sleeping very soundly and my body is not quite in a hey there kind of mode yet. And he's like, Oh, we'll be fine. <laughs> and so for me, this was one of the most me experiences that I have gotten to have because it was all about me. And there was some, you know, developments downtown going up. There was some, some, you know, some, checking and surveying of the land, right? And then there was some good drilling. And we got done, and he looked at me and he said, do you want some coffee? And I said, yes, I would like some coffee. So he made me a cup of coffee and he said, all right, I gotta go, I gotta be back in Atlanta. And I said, okay, don't forget your hard hat. Cause I don't have a use for that. Maybe I do. Anyway, so he left, but I just had to say, if you have not asked your man to get in some situations for you, do it. Because if it happens and it's as good as it was for me, two thumbs way up. So, thank you. This episode of Foreplay Goes South podcast was recorded and produced by event host and podcast creator Metanoia. These stories are recorded live every third Tuesday of the month at Petra's in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
For more information about Foreplay Goes South, follow us at Foreplay GS on Facebook, FetLife, Instagram, and Twitter.